Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Support for Monkey Tennis comes from Rawlingsons, your one-stop shop for confectionery of all kinds. We're known across the Norfolk area for our extensive range of chocolate oranges in all styles, sizes, and conditions. We really must say this again, chocolate oranges are available at Rawlingsons. Monkey tennis. Monkey tennis. Look, looks like a lady, but uh, really it's a man. Monkey tennis. Not my face, I'll do the photo shoot for Vision Express. Monkey tennis. Monkey tennis. I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Roll on the Hello. <laughs> This week we're looking at Basic Allen, episode four. Uh, the VHS cassette of Iron Man and Partridge describes it like this. Refurbishment at the Linton Travel Tavern leaves Allen as the only guest. To while away the hours, he tries out a relaxation tape, takes a gentle stroll along the M11's dual carriageway and gets to grips with the workings of a Corby trouser press. I'm Adam Brooks, also here today, Tom Dark. Fight you. Nick Older. About the scumbags. And Tom Stab. I was going to say fight you. No, I can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Please do prepare your intros. Um, so I think this is a great episode because nothing happens, but they've yeah. still made a half hour of comedy gold out of it. We haven't really ranked the episodes, have we? We've kind of said, oh, you know, certain episodes have been our favourite, but we've never said where they actually sit uh, in terms of a, a series ranking. Is that something to well, say? We're, or? We're, well, we were all very keen on episode two. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely um, Jill. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree that I think this episode is great, but it's almost... Because it's very focused around the hotel. 
Yeah. So, it, it's a triumph of comedy performance rather yeah. than plot. Because literally nothing happens, does it? At the end of this episode, everyone is roughly in the same position they were at the start. Alan's a little more angry at Lynn. That's kind of that's <laughs> that kind of is the, true. That's kind of the series, though. Nothing. <laughs> you get to the end. There's and been two deaths by the end, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's ba- it's basically a cycle of uh, failure. Yep, absolutely. Alan Which is, in a nutshell. Yep, classic so, Alan. Opening again in Radio Norwich, where he uh, is talking about the biggest stadium band in the world, R E O Speedwagon. Were they though? I don't well, know. Has anyone checked the sales <laughs> on REO Speedwagon? No, but actually, that reminds me. I'd, uh, Nick was questioning the validity of Deacon Blue a few weeks ago because uh, a guy was wearing a t shirt in the Pear Tree Productions office. I should stress, I really like Deacon Blue. I should stress that. Can I yeah. shock you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> T- take a guess how many, uh, again, according to Wikipedia, so thanks to the internet, uh, how many albums do you think Deacon Blue have sold? 10 million. But they were peak peak fame in the 80s. It, no, it no? was early to mid-90s. Okay, so people were still buying records. Yes. 12 million. Uh, four and a half. The answer is six. Anyway, the point still stands <laughs> that, that it was fine for him to be wearing a Deacon Blue t-shirt. They were about More than it. acceptable. No, but the, the point I was making was that he's wearing a Deacon Blue t-shirt and that he's a relatively young man. Uh, and this was, what, 96, 97? Deacon Blue had not been a thing for a long time. Who would, in 2016, what would the equivalent band be? Is, is it like someone wearing like a Travis t-shirt? Yeah, it would be like someone wearing a Travis t-shirt now and being taken seriously. Although they have got a new album out. I saw some uh, cheap advertising. Oh, yeah. There we Don't go. give them free advertising. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, we'll cut that. I think I think <laughs> haven't got an album out. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of them. Uh, We've got sidetracked. <laughs> so, yeah, Alan, uh, Alan's trying to fill, literally fill time on his radio show by describing all the different ways you can like say us. 10 to 5, uh, including, including a bit where he's trying to work out how to say 1,230 to 12. Uh, and my, my, the bit I love about that is that he puts his hand up as if the audience can see him and he's scoring for time. So he's like, oh, bear with me. Bear with me. Yep. And, and then he introduces his new comedy character, Camp oh, yeah. David. Who, uh, d- 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 uh, I think I looked up the words... <laughs> He, yeah, Camp David has three words. That's uh, it's one of the mints. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> one of them's mints. One of them's. Ha- oh, hello, Alan. I think, you... I think he's got five words. Oh, on, okay. Well, depends. It, it depends if you mince. count. I think that's in the like, Alan lexicon. Like word. I think that counts. Yeah, as a word. I, I, think. I think to quote the man himself, that was just a noise. But <laughs> up to you. And does anyone have mints for breakfast? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> what do you want for breakfast this morning? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, for the, for the purposes of a mildly homophobic radio sketch. Yeah, it's a bit close to the bone, isn't it's it? It's not very PC radio, no. is it? I, no. I think that this episode and and the next one, Alan definitely ramps up the offensiveness because I was looking. I was one question I was thinking about is is alan racist and i think that he he, in, in he kind is. Of, yeah in a kind of like but will by the daily mail yeah kind of oh yeah. it's it's born out of ignorance rather than a yeah genuine I, I don't hatred. think i don't think he's an active racist he's i just think he's an ignorant racist yeah. yes uh, and this is one of the episodes where that that sparks up a little homophobia as well uh, although so, doesn't he chastise michael for being a racist so yeah daft or he racist. Just, yeah he just calls him a daft racist there are definitely yeah. some worse racists in this series and most of them show their true colours in the final episode but we'll get <laughs> that's on. a very good point so Camp David is a segment that Alan's obviously spent ages on and it lasts 10 seconds um, also he's uh, it becomes very apparent that he's extremely desperate for callers he's basically begging for them which is something I can sympathise with because I once host I realised this on the, on the way here today I once hosted Alan Slot um, on, a, on a local radio show uh, in Cardiff 
Where so you had the gra- you had the graveyard. It shift. was yeah, but even longer than uh, it was even worse than his because I was one a.m. to six a.m. I didn't oh. even get to go till seven, uh, and then the equivalent of Dave Clifton would come in and relieve me of my duties. <laughs> but I, I, you paid for this. This sounds terrible. Yeah, but not much. Also, and also, I turned up on the first shift, and uh, they told me I wouldn't have a producer, uh, and so it was just me, a copy of the Sun, and uh, a can of Little Red Bull to create five hours of scintillating radio. And I was I was desperate for callers because only drunks and truck drivers ring in at that time of night. You were desperate. That sounds like exactly the kind of people you want ringing into a show. You'd think, but then the same woman would call up five minutes before the show each week, <laughs> demanding Ecuador by Sash. And then she'd, she'd just and keep by God, back. you gave it to her. Great taste. Great I refused taste. to play it just out of fun. So at that point, we cut through to reception, where uh, Alan is, of course, singing, as he often does, uh, with the calamitous addition of Susan's voice this time, uh, who he describes quite rightly, I think, as sounding like a trapped boy. She think, is rubbish. She is terrible. Do you if think- you knew you had a voice like that, would you air it? Probably not. No. But at, at this point, she's just doing what she can to get by with Alan as a guest. <laughs> I was going to say it. Probably she's on reception and she sees Alan walking through the doors and she must think, "Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to listen to him prattle on at me." And he's singing. She calls. She calls his bluff at this point, um, but also it's around the time this time that she says, "Adam, why don't you go and talk to somebody else?" Which I think marks a <laughs> marks a crucial turning point in that it's the first time I think she gives up on the sort of yeah. I'm a professional in a in a in a hotel setting and. Yeah just gets real their professionalism goes downhill massively from this point onwards they just cannot be bothered to deal with alan at all or indulge him are you surprised by that though i mean again how how many how many weeks do we think he's been at the hotel by this point adam were you keeping tabs on Uh, this i am there's no no firm information at this point but taking it as being roughly equidistant between episode two and six (laughs) uh that would put it at about 18 19 weeks can we fact check that because our maths has proved inconsistent <laughs> yeah. so far? No, it's fine. Let's just, just assume it, it's fine. It, it's it fact. fine. But um, yeah, it's, it's um, the, his interaction with Susan in, in this scene is the typical thing about the, um, the compliment and then taking it away again. And then also you have what, what we see Susan do a few times in this series is be slightly flirtatious with him just to freak him out because she says, um, I don't just want to kiss. I want to go the whole way. And uh, he just try- looks really uncomfortable and doesn't know what to do. What's she trying to get out of that? Exchange. I think she she's just, just trying take... to embarrass him because right, it, I yeah. think it's entertainment for her. It's right. dangerous yeah. though. What, what if he's like? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's what I was going to say. And I think she's trying. She's just trying anything she can to make him leave, isn't she? Yeah, but I'm to, saying but... it's a risky. It's a risky strategy because if he but, does because go, because Alan's a sex pest, she's putting herself out there, and who knows what Alan's going to yeah. say? Yeah. In previous episodes, Alan's kind of uh, you know lecturer at her a little bit, so you know. It, it could have happened. And he's, you know, he's tried it on, yeah. well, him and Jill, obviously, as well. He was yeah. successful there. And she there. Has, she's got a fiancé. She has. It does emerge in a later episode that she's uh, engaged. So, uh, maybe she just Poor loves Playing a dangerous game there, Susan. Um, yep. Oh, uh, and yeah, that's that's basically the start of, of Susan ramping up the dislike of Alan to the point that in two episodes' time, she is beating his face openly. <laughs> 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 we'll come on to that. Um it's also around the point that uh, Sophie tries to book him in for Christmas dinner uh, in May. <laughs> and uh, he's appalled, but then goes along with it anyway. So that's fine. Um, one thing I wanted to know is that obviously they, she says, Susan says that they're going to do some work up. They're doing some work on the hotel. Does anyone notice any difference to the hotel post this episode? Is it no. exactly the same? No. They've done nothing. <laughs> what work are they doing? Another question. Uh, if they are doing renovation on the work and he's the only guest, why is the full staff still working there all weekend? Like, What are Sophie and Ben doing and Michael doing? Again, what we're doing, we're finding more continuity slash realism errors. 
which might not be worth going into too far. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to explore it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I'd like to know what the hell they are doing. I yeah. mean, you know, they can't, they're receptionists and, they, and they're, they're, they're there to tend to guests and there's one guest. Absolutely. In this uh, in this scene as well, um, you have him doing the uh, mime for Michael to wash his car. Now, how many people that work in a hotel would wash your car for you? Is that is that part of Michael's job? One, and his name is Michael. Yeah, but is that part of Michael's job, or is that because him and Alan are kind of they have this weird friendship? If they've got the weird friendship, yeah. I don't think there's many people that will wash your car as part of a hotel service, especially, especially at a travel town yeah, at the market that they're pitching at. Maybe a few. Alan might be paying him for it. You don't know. He's not paying him. Is he? I, no, I doubt that very much. He's not. Is he? I'm just trying to. Yeah. Anyway, it wasn't yeah, even not. a please. It was just. Wash my car. Yeah, because he's already yeah. So that suggests that he's already either done it before or yeah. previously agreed to it and is just willing to do whatever he can to. Yeah, basically, I was just going up to him and go, Michael, can you wash my car? Yeah, uh, okay. In fact, <laughs> but it, 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 it comes across to me though that they have an arrangement about this that Michael should have done it already. Yeah. And this is a scene as well where he basically applies his pressure on every member of the staff and uh, he rounds it off. He's already done Susan, done Michael, rounds it off by then ruining Sophie and Ben's potential uh, potential fun by uh, demanding a hot egg, uh, demanding a crescent of crisps, demanding cooked meat, basically just adding, piling things onto the menu that Ben can only cook in. So maybe that's why they're there. They just want to bonk all day. <laughs> on the payroll yeah on the payroll yeah. oh also just a quick travel tavern thing I think last week we were trying to work out whether this was a standalone uh, establishment or a chain uh, according to the book there's 22 of them so that makes it roughly jury's in size <laughs> <laughs> have you have you fact checked that uh, I have actually oh, okay good. okay great good. I like to make sure about that we're we factually did, correct about time yeah. we did at all time. Checking. Talking of Linton Travel Tavern, we had a genuine email from a genuine person. Uh, I'm going to go to Tom Stab for said communication. Hi, Tom. Um, so <laughs> we got yeah, Hi. we got a genuine email from a genuine person called Danny Stillwell. Hello, Danny. Thanks for getting in touch. Um, he said, really enjoyed the first episode. Little known fact uh, about the Linton Travel Tavern. It was actually all filmed at the uh, Watford Hilton. Uh, so he said he used to work uh, at the Stansted Hilton and one of the employees came down from Watford and he worked there whilst the series was being filmed that's that, a fact for that me. is a good fact punch I yeah. did not know that mm. so if you ever stay in the Watford Hilton just know you are staying in a little bit of partridge history mm-hmm. or like a bloody tramp in a lay-by <laughs> depending how you look at it um, so yeah we're, we're up in the room now where Alan I think is uh, trying to relax with one of his own um, tapes Relaxing yeah, to his own right. voice, or well, very much failing to relax yeah. to his own well, voice. Well, it's a terrible tape, isn't it? That's the po- that's the point as well. Yeah. Like, it basically, it's just a wind up on tape. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so Alan's then uh, moving his shoes around. It eventually turns off his own tape and says uh, "sod off" to it, yeah. which is not the first time he's lost an argument with himself. He mentions um, trunks that are made out of bark. That conjures up that conjures up a bit of an image for one, but. Who has trunks that are made of bark? That sounds horrendously stressful as well. I never yeah. thought Alan would indulge something as a relaxation tape. Well, uh, also, also this is, uh, it's welcome to tape two of Let Go. So <laughs> <laughs> there was a first, that was yeah. so successful. Remember the breathing exercises from take one. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Please relax, I can't emphasise that enough. Yeah, um, he, he drops some massive tech in here as well, such as an access card. Remember going and a pager, also yeah. moribund. <laughs> What's an access card? Access is basically like what was switch. It was like access yeah. in switch. It's now like it's like, it's like old, old man's visa. visa. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like dark will remember. Old it. man. Yeah. <laughs> when he was spending it in Foster's. <laughs> <laughs> 
Never going to let it go. Just because I've got a better memory than you. Longer memory. Yeah. <laughs> Older memory. <laughs> Might be starting to fade him soon. Uh, so at this point, at this point, Alan calls Fernando, his son, obviously named after another ABBA classic, um, and uh, has a little chat to him. He, he believes that he's... Uh, <laughs> Fernando's 22 at this point and apparently wasting his life by spending his Saturday in bed with a woman. Yep. Um, I noticed as well. Obviously, he's got a daughter who he doesn't call. Um, and uh, there's a bit. There's a bit later on where uh, he eventually gets a photo of his daughter back from his his ex-wife Carol. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> I do think it was a bit. Oh, this is jumping ahead a little bit. But he's managed to uh, procure a framed photo of Jet from Gladiators and a photo of Roger Moore. Yep. But the photo of his daughter, he hasn't bothered to pick up. To be fair, though, it does say that Carol's been holding uh, holding that all back. It's not Alan. He's that, been trying. That's true. It's it's Carol. And the narcissistic sports I, pimp lover, <laughs> presumably hoarding a picture of, pictures of his daughter Denise under a bed somewhere, <laughs> whilst taking a deep bath at Alan's expense. <laughs> also, there's a few uh, hints, uh, not so much in this episode, but in in other Alan materials that uh, Fernando is the favourite, namely that in the autobiography his son is named, but it just says he has a son, Fernando, and also a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. I, d- I don't think we know what his daughter's name is or anything. Oh, no, it's Denise. It's Denise. It's, oh, it's, Denise. But that only comes up at the, at the end of this series. Right. He certainly doesn't call her when he's bored. He's not that no. bored. Yeah, no. Fernando is Yeah, He'd, he'd rather one. attempt to have a drink with his son, uh, the person in Curry's, and, or, uh, or the BP, or the BP uh, garage yeah. man. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a bit. More also, there are some um, there are some more program ideas coming up in his hotel room in this episode. Oh, yep. Yachting mishaps. Some funny, some tragic. That sounds like something that would get genuinely commissioned. That probably exists on Channel 5, I would imagine. Look. Okay. <laughs> uh, and also, you have idea for a program, Free Spirits, Change Out to Bad Attitudes. Because, again, it's the thing where Alan basically... He doesn't seem to like young people or young people having fun. Exactly that, that. that seems to annoy him quite a lot. So yeah, he spots Sophie and Ben outside and decides to... Uh, oh, no, no, that's right. They've eventually gone around to their liaison after making yep. him a hot egg and a crescent of crisps. Yeah, I don't think he, he spies on them, basically. He doesn't spot them. He kind of well, he, he looks... Quite frankly, he looks disgusted with them. With their, the, the them young, and people, their fun. young people are having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Another note about this scene is that... Um, did anyone else spot that he knows Curry's number off by heart? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. No, I'm not either. No. Uh, and then uh, obviously chastises the chap at Curry's for not having a basic grasp of Latin. And at that point, even he <laughs> yeah, doesn't seem to believe yeah. that that's true. Yeah. Have you also? He's very, he's not brand loyal when it comes to his electronic shops either. So you have him phoning Curry's here. Uh, you've got the mention to Dixon's yep. in previous episodes, yep. and also does anyone remember? I think there was a, I think it might have been a comic relief sketch where he oh, does it. the visit to Tandy. Tandy's, Tandy. yeah, oh, and also Tandy's. the brand of hi-fi that he buys in the uh, the last episode of the series. Oh, yeah. Bang on some. Uh, and he gets it from a particularly named shop, but we should save that for the episode because there are some good facts around that as well. Um, so, so stick with us. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, also, I think it's around this point that he uh, uh, he names all the all the wild places that he ever had sex with Carol. Does anybody know what remember what they are? Oh, the bed. <laughs> <laughs> one, no, one is uh, one is a lounge. The lounge. The hall. One is the hall, and the other one is behind a large boulder. <laughs> and that's where they conceived Fernando, I believe. That's right, yeah. And then they go into oh, the whole thing delighted. about... Yeah, we were delighted. We grew to like you. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so following this, he's tried his relaxation tape. He's tried speaking to his son and taking the man from Curry's for a pint. None of them are interested. Uh, in fact, Fernando hangs up on him while he's talking about uh, the space technology used in hip flasks. No, used in uh, like soup flasks. Uh, so he's off down the BP garage uh, to buy 12 bottles of windscreen washer fluid. He's <laughs> never really explained why. I mean, obviously, he's just killing time and mm. he's... But there's no real reason as to why he's buying that many. Well, things. I guess he needed some, so why not? Uh, why not buy in bulk? I guess. So. I suppose. Uh, yeah. Obviously, singing Goldfinger as he goes. Another Bond reference, which yeah. gets explored yeah. more in series two. Another thing, obviously, is that he's visiting a BP garage and tries to get the chap behind the counter to go for a it's, drink with him. Now, I've got I've got a fact about this. I don't know if anybody else. Bring um, it on. So you don't see the man in the BP garage, but you hear him. Ooh. And that voiceover is provided by the actor that plays Michael. Shut up. Is it? Did you genuinely not know this? No. I didn't know. That. No. Oh, okay. No. Again, it's widely available information on the internet. So, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing uh, so because obviously the thing is, what people also may not realise that the actor that plays Michael, uh, his name escapes me, is not a Geordie. He's not a real Geordie. Oh, he's very well spoken. He has he? a very, very well spoken uh, English man. Doesn't yeah. he do compare the market? Yeah. Uh, well, he's done he lots the, of other. He things. He does the meerkat. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Um, another fact, though, while, <laughs> yeah, while, while you're thinking of it, um, another fact, uh, or not a fact, but uh, uh, something I thought about in this BP Garage thing. Obviously, we know that Michael goes on to work in a BP Garage in the second series. Does that mean that Michael got sacked from the Travel Tavern and literally went to work in the nearest building? <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> well, like that's, that's what I was thinking. Is this the same BP Garage that features in series two? I reckon it is. Probably. Yeah. But maybe, maybe Alan's put in a good word. Um, with the management team there, which presumably he's on uh, first name terms with. Mm-hmm. Also, this is before the heady days of the Wellbeing Cafe. This is just branded BP Express Shop. Wow. It's the second mention of Wellbeing Cafe from you. Nick's on a He's a big fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I wrote my notes when I'd had a beer or two because I've, ri- <laughs> I've written, I can envisage my dad walking along a, hu- walking along a hub <laughs> shoulder singing Goldfinger. Which is not true at all. He'd never do it. I don't know why I've written that. You've gone insane. Yeah, he's not a big Bond fan, is he? Um, no. It's around this point as well that we don't we get our kind of our first proper glimpse into Michael's problems. We know that he's uh, obviously seen mm. some seen some shit uh, from Alan explaining things to the police officer when they get caught for traffic Men on theft. fire going. Oh. But it's the first time we actually see Michael in the car park, really having trouble just going about his day. Uh, and perhaps I guess around this point. Partridge takes a little bit of a turn for the darker over this episode and the next one. He's a troubled man. Like, deep down, there's some... Michael or Alan? Which one are you talking about? (laughs) Different troubles, but different men. Both very... (laughs) (laughs) Different men, different needs. Um, And then uh, then comes the dismantling of the Corby Trouser Press, uh, which is another pivotal Partridge moment. And I I would argue that uh, uh, trouser presses are probably more famous from being in the Alan Partridge episode than actual people using trouser press. Like, I've never used a trouser group, press. Has anyone ever used a Corby trouser press? No. 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 Do they even exist in this day and age? They, oh, they do. Jed is nodding. There was a chap who uh, is, I think he's a kind of uh, super chef of sorts, and he uh, released a guide to meals you can make with just the stuff lying around hotel rooms, how to boil an egg in your kettle and that sort of thing. A super I, chef? Yeah. <laughs> I think define boiling word, an egg in a kettle super. from a super chef. Uh, he put together some pretty good meals, and I think I think there might have been, some, good. There might have been some that required grilling ingredients in a Corby trouser press. <laughs> Take the what, bag like of crisps, open it. You guys are going to have egg on your face when you look this up, because uh, it is, is a big deal. It, my, my egg's boiled, it, mate. It, it I put it in the kettle. <laughs> Three minutes to go, and it's ready. Uh. I'll move. I'll move the conversation on. My I, this has just occurred to me. Uh, I've not written this down. This is not a. Uh, oh a God, it's going, it's going rogue. It's a live I'm going rogue. Take. I'm going off script. Uh, so my script. script. <laughs> well, you okay. Have, script. Uh, have you got a script? We're not Towie. The uh, <laughs> uh, one of my friends from school basically had a Corby trouser press in his parents' bedroom. Who has that? What? 
just wired up, this ready to true. go. This is true. Absolutely true. But I thought they just existed in hotels because maybe irons weren't available or something. It's, it's only no, the, no, it's the iron it's wishes it could have been. It's a specific technique to get your um, trousers nice and, you know, pressed. Pressed. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I believe pressed is the word. Just having a quick look. Oh. They cost £140 from John Lewis. I bet you they cost more in the 90s. To Their price honest, must have The plummeted. surprise there is not the price. It's that they're available from John, John Lewis. Lewis. And, this, and they have 2016, <laughs> man. A four and a half star review from seven reviews. There you go. Any choice cuts from the review? This will take a minute for me to look up. Important. <laughs> Someone's just written important asset. <laughs> See, uh, I, I would be looking for some kind of comedy Alan Partridge based yes, review. That's exactly, that's exactly well, what it does have for. the age of all the reviewers and none of them are under 45 and yeah. most of them are over 65. They probably will remember Foster's menswear as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whilst Tom is looking at things on the internet, uh, I My can drop a little fat punch in here that this episode is Peter Bainham's favourite episode. Oh, really? So that's something that I gained from listening to the commentary. I do think when they came up with this, it must have taken some uh, some supreme confidence in the series to say, we're going to do a half hour of comedy television on BBC Two that is about a man achieving nothing over a weekend. Like That's yeah. pretty bold. When you think about how hard it is to get things commissioned from, from what you hear, that's uh, but I wonder. If, yeah, I wonder if kind of back in the day, though, I guess, was it easier to get stuff commissioned or maybe it was harder? I guess you had fewer channels, but... More people were watching. And you had and more hard, cash. And you had hard-nosed commissioners like Tony Hares as well. But so do you remember the role of a commissioner me. is basically to put a tick or a cross in a box? <laughs> <laughs> not everyone can He's do not it. He's not wrong. Not everyone can do it. No. Um, so Alan's in the car at this point, uh, pitching ideas on the phone to Lynn. Uh, his, <laughs> the main idea being around the world with Alan Partridge in a bulldoze on the left, which he claims is his worst idea. Do, do you think well, it's his I worst was, idea? It's exactly what I was going to say. He kind of apologises to Lynn, which is surprising for one, but it's not that bad an idea. It's fully formed. It sounds like something the BBC would actually show. Um, so yeah, I'm surprised that he actually retracts it and says that it's a bad idea. I'd say it's pretty good. I'd watch it. Title, title needs a bit of work though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not, not the snappiest. No. <laughs> no, but, uh, so Alan's driving in his car and quite clearly displayed is the number plate of that car. So I went on to webuyanycar.com and put in that, <laughs> that uh, number plate. Uh, and did some rudimentary guesswork on how many miles it's done, how many owners, etc. How much do you reckon that car is worth now? Because it did give me an answer. So I guess for context, we were talking about a Rover Metro in the first series. I which... would ignore that. Can okay. I Can I ask a supplementary question? You can. Do you believe, having seen the price, that some sort of premium has been attached because it was a car in Alan Partridge? 100% not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm, I'm say £750 okay. at this point. I'm going to say £550. 200 quid. Okay, well, Tom Dark is the winner, but <laughs> apparently, according to webuyanycar.com, that car is now worth £50. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn's age. So, <laughs> so, hang on, the, the genuine car that features? Yeah, so you can put in, you put in the reg number. Can we just club together and get that? We could, it might not be for sale. I don't think it's for sale. I think it just gives you an Should estimate on sale. how much that car is right. worth based mm-hmm. on... I mean, I've, I've taken a best guess estimate on what the mileage would be and how many owners it's had etc and uh, yeah it said it'd be worth £50 does it still have any tungsten tip screws left in it and what are they for no because he's used them hasn't he even though he said he was never going to use them he's yeah. used them for his uh, very good yeah. I had this in my notes yeah, so yeah, yeah he says them. to Lynn never going to use them and then later on in the episode he uses them as part of his infamous zombie costume he does <laughs> so uh, then he calls Lynn to the car park Not, oh. I don't know why they're chatting in the car rather than in the uh, in the full hotel just seems like the sort of thing Alan would do though doesn't it 
He does. He lo- loves the loves the car. She's been caught in a breakdown and is boiling hot, but he's the one that gets the hand fan. <laughs> <laughs> he's walked the final couple of miles to get there. That one's like, can you call me down with the hand fan? Which he obliges. <laughs> uh, uh, did you know there is a longer version of this scene that actually continues for about twenty minutes? So on yeah, the DVDs, you can you can watch that as a whole scene. Oh, really? Did just, they pick the? Just, have you seen it? Yeah. Did they pick the best bit for the episode or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, they had to condense it down quite a bit. But um, yeah, you just got Alan and Lynn in a car for about 20 minutes just chatting. talking. Again, just it's it's talking. quite boring conversation because that's kind of the theme yeah. of the whole episode. Really. He does have a good old chat about the uh, about the possibility of a car crash and the uh, usefulness of seatbelts, which I like because it comes up, it gives probably the best noise he makes all season, I think, when he tries to uh, simulate a car crash and he's just going. <laughs> 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 I thought you'd go, boosh, boosh. Oh yeah, he's boosh. got a little boosh Impact. in there as well. Bosh. Um, and I guess that probably that they call back to that later on when uh, when Ling gets minor women's whiplash uh, in the next series. Oh, yes. nice tease yep. there. Yeah. Imagine if we got a second series. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> Come happen. on, Tony. Please. Yeah, we're not having that meeting for a couple of weeks yet, so we'll have to see. <laughs> so then uh, Lynn and Alan are back in the tavern, and it becomes very obvious that the staff are very fond of Lynn. Uh, they can see what's going on. She's downtrodden. Alan's using her yeah and they're, they're keen to kind of uh, show her a good time and invite her to join their game but has yeah. anyone noticed that i only noticed this last oh, night re-watching i think it i again, might have done yes is that they're just sitting around getting pissed during the day there's <laughs> oh. wine there open <laughs> wine three glasses i would assume Not very professional po- I, anyone can walk point, up at any point with the refurbishment going on and you don't see particularly this episode i don't think you see any other guests in the hotel is alan the only guest in the hotel oh, yeah they say that yeah is yeah. the hotel closed well, because anyone could walk up at any point and they're just yeah. sitting around playing cards I, and getting I, hammered. I think it's closed <laughs> apart from they've just said, oh, Alan, you can just stay yeah, here because yeah. they don't really they care t- about it. It's him. probably that they technically have to be there because Alan's a guest, but they know that he's gone out and so it's it's it, drinking it, time. Ho- yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, keen so to see an orc chart because someone should be responsible for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Lynn's playing gin rummy with them and uh, they're having a little laugh at Alan's expense, but he's not completely gone. Um, oh yeah, he just pretended he was going to do some filing, but there's no files in his bag. Uh, and then he does the brilliant point. bag swing and then crisp throwing it. on the floor. <laughs> the crisp on the floor, man. That's so good. It's my favourite. And the hesitation yeah. as well. He kind of goes, he's not sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to throw it. Um, also, pro- pos- probably an error, I guess. Uh, I noticed on a close-up of a screen grab of this bit of the episode that... Uh, Lynn is holding her cards facing out. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. oh so nice. She was, ne- she was ah. not destined to win that game of Gin Rummy because <laughs> everyone could see her cards except her. More continuity bombshells. There you go. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, and then, uh, so she runs up to uh, make amends with a mint, but she's not allowed one, obviously. I, I love what I love yeah. what he says to Lynn here. It's so, so good. I don't think you I don't should think... have one, considering what's happened. Yeah, and so basically, good. Lynn's there to take the flack for everyone being, you know, obviously a bit mean to Alan. Only a little bit, and you could probably argue he's he's had it coming for quite a while. Yeah. And the passive aggressiveness is off the charts with him yeah. pr- replaying his uh, dictaphone <laughs> message about sacking Lynn. Thinking about it, because it's the staff taking the piss out of him. Lynn, although she's sitting with them being jovial, she's not She's not mocking him. Yeah, but yeah. she's the only one he can be openly he, hostile he, yeah. to in that way. Exactly. She's the easy target and she cops for it again. Yep. It's, yeah. Uh, but he could, complain, all... he could complain to head office and probably get some form with of their, compensation for that. 22 hotels. Yeah. And they've thrown a, a telling moment in as well where obviously he's talking about sacking Lynn for being unloyal, disloyal, uh, fun, excuse her employer. And then obviously it moves straight on to the fact that he needs her to ring Bill Oddie. <laughs> Bill Oddie. Which is this episode, I believe, Bill Oddie reference. Four episodes in, four so what, references down. One reference per episode. And I think looking at the, the 
looking at the scripts of this, it's you have a moment where you almost feel sorry for him. He's like, Lynn, they were they were doing impressions of me. You think, oh, he's being a bit bullied. And then he just starts being really harsh to Lynn. Like, oh, shall I sit there? Shall I sit there? I'm like a little mouse. <laughs> and she does and that And then you impression. feel sorry for Lynn. Yeah. yeah. And she does the impression they were doing of her, which is basically a glimpse of reality. Yes. yes. And, uh, uh, shall I let you walk all over me? Sorry, mother. I can't get you out of the bath. I've got to pop down to Linton Travel Tavern to, sh- to sort out Alan's problems. Yeah. Which is very, <laughs> very funny, but that's a bit silly, isn't it? There's no way Alan would listen to that and not realise that it's... It's a comment on how uh, he treats I don't, her. Mm, well, I, I think, think you're giving him too much credit. I, I yeah. think he's a bit of a rotten shit to it. I think ignorance is a key factor with Alan here. So I think he's a bit... He's not going to realise. That is true. But again, this is another little little sting of seriousness in this episode. We've got Michael's issues. You've got Lynn's bitterness. Like Things are sort of... It's perhaps less out-and-out comedy than, than previous episodes uh, in parts of this one. Um Alan then pre-warns everyone of his zombie joke because everyone knows the funniest kinds of jokes are the ones you've warned everyone to uh, <laughs> yeah. look out for. <laughs> Warning, I'm about to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> also, this, this sort, it sort of represents the only time that he is trying to be the playful one. You know, he feel, I can imagine Alan's mind, he's like, everyone's just having a bit of a kick about, I'm going to join in. But, and then, but, but I'll go too far with it. Yeah, exactly. But has he it's gone too a, far? It's a very bizarre. I think, I'm I a think, bit bored. I'm just going to dress up as a zombie. I, I We've think, all been there. I think Susan's reaction was way over the top. I think he was within I his I think he's to gone too far because he's taken it's, a shower curtain to use as a cape. He's got biscuits on he, his face. He made sure all the rings were intact, though. So, he put it back <laughs> yeah, on. so it's, it's fine. He hasn't damaged the property. I think if you're and in he a did host... use the tongues and tip screws. No, I, yeah. when I say a bit too far, it's just just a bit weird. It is a bit weird. I'll give you that. But in, in in a situation where all the people who are supposed to be looking after you are getting drunk and making jokes at your yeah, expense true. with your friends, true. I think you've got the right to you at pop behind reception dressed up as a zombie and yeah. scare the crap out of them. And especially there's no other guests as well. Yeah. Not like they're going to confuse him for a member of staff. <laughs> or a real life zombie. Yeah. A uh, type of zombie. I do love the bit where Michael takes Michael yeah. takes that very seriously, though. Michael yeah. Michael's suddenly straight into raised mode. raised fist as <laughs> yes. well. He literally goes in raised fist, he's in, ready to punch he's someone. He's into combat mode, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, but it could have been a man. It probably could have been a woman. Either way, someone was getting punched. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm more or less on Alan's side through this whole encounter, especially the bit where Ben gets it wrong about Frankenstein being a type of zombie, and Alan basically corrects him. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan's a pedant, but Ben is a know-it-all. Absolutely. It, I would I, I would take Alan over Ben any day. So our after after that scene, we are then at the hotel bar. Uh, Alan and Michael are sharing. Well, Alan's drinking a pint. Michael is serving. And then you have this point where they're referencing depression and suicide. So it's a very very cheery moment to begin with. But uh, that's why I think this is producer Jed's favourite episode, quite possibly. Yep. <laughs> um, it's also uh, in, in a very indirect way. This is probably the most brutal slating that Alan ever gets from Michael. Uh, bearing in mind that obviously Michael is very subservient to Alan uh, when they're talking about suicide and it becomes apparent Michael's saying oh yeah I've thought about it you know for you Alan not for me and, <laughs> yeah. and then Alan's like oh no I meant for you and then, and then Michael's like oh no that's the coward's way out <laughs> like, that's, as, that's as harsh as it ever gets in terms of uh, Michael slating Alan also in this scene uh, is one of my favourite uh, bits of Michael uh, chat in the whole series where he recounts the tale of the time that a monkey ate all his fags and <laughs> threw it into the sea <laughs> But it bounced off a yeah, first. Oh, that, <laughs> that is perfect comic timing when he's talking about it bouncing off a rock. Yeah. I also, just the way he's like, I just hide it in the sea. <laughs> it ignored me fags. <laughs> like. And uh, an extra fact that I can add to this, uh, acquired from the commentary, 
Uh, Michael improvised the eating the fags line. So that was, he dropped that in. <laughs> well Brilliant. Done. Genius. Absolutely. What a pro. Yep. Uh, you've got some IMDb uh, facts about Michael as well. Is that right? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, yeah, just looking at Michael's IMDb, because uh, that's all we really do, Wikipedia, IMDb, and DVD commentaries. So, I mean, you could make this podcast up yourself, really, and not we have, have to listen to us. But <laughs> uh, I mean, we've done it now, so, you know. Yeah. Michael, a.k.a. Simon Greenall, uh, has been in One Foot in the Grave, Soldier I, I don't believe it. <laughs> hey! That was brilliant. That was really, we really good. didn't even realize <laughs> that. I know it's hard to believe, but that was not planned. Terrible. <laughs> uh, sold- 4291. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. Um, he's also been in Soldier Soldier, Harry Enfield, um, a voiceover on the Tomb Raider video game, uh, The Bill three times. Holby City and Doc Martin, so he's really done some of the classic British TV shows there. No casualty, uh, no Poirot. No casualty, but the bill three times, I think we'll give him that. Mm. Uh, a voiceover in Modern Toss, uh, some episodes of Lead Balloon, the Jack D sitcom. Also listed the Charlotte Church show, which <laughs> confuses me a bit. I'm not sure what <laughs> I've played in that. Did he play Glenn Ponder? <laughs> Possibly. I actually know the guy that was the band leader for the Charlotte Church show. Oh, the name drop. Clang. Lang, 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 lang. Yeah, it's not that good, is it? Uh, he was Cut. in Saxondale, WNA, Sean the Sheep, and Hoff the Record. That's a David Hasselhoff thing. Hoff the Record? Yeah. yeah, that's a it's thing. It's actually very funny, and I recommend it. Is that just a title that they got and then worked backwards? Yeah, start with the title, work backwards. Yeah. That's how Alan comes Classic out with always show ideas. Yeah. So it's yes. just Hoff going around on a record going, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is good. So, Michael, real name, Simon Greenall, and not a real Geordie. So, they uh, they G themselves up to uh, go and do something crazy, something wild, something Alan's never done before, steal a traffic cone for a brief period of time. Uh, they get very excited. Michael shouts, away the lads. They jump over the desk, immediately cut to the police, <laughs> which is a, a brilliant edit. Um, and I think the best thing about this so is, is that they don't let Alan tell his version of events. The policeman recounts it back to him, which makes it even funnier. That that policeman as well, hats off, I think he, he plays that part perfectly. Yeah. That exchange is, you can see for the first time that when Alan kind of stares into the face of authority, he looks genuinely terrified because he's a complete coward in this series. And yeah. normally he'd be the one kind of leading the conversation, but this time he's being led. So yeah. what we've determined is Alan is an ignorant coward. That yeah. is the summary also, from this. Another sign of his pure fear in the face of being caught by the police is that Think of all the times in the episodes up to now where Lynn has attempted to or offered to be his wife. Uh, and this is the first time where he immediately is like, yes, this is my wife. That was a really, really <laughs> yeah. good point. There's so many instances we've where... Act, we're four episodes in and we've, uh, someone's finally made a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that's a very good point. Uh, he obviously gives his address as Bill Carr, 10 King Road, Ipswich. I did look this up. There isn't a King Road, but there no. is a King Edward Road. Uh, so close enough and the A47 Swatham Road where he's pulled over that does exist I've got I also made that there is no 10 King Road Ipswich in Ipswich Uh, but I did also note I went onto Facebook and looked to see if there was a Bill Carr that lived in Ipswich there is very good one Bill Carr that lives in Ipswich I am slightly worried about his uh, safety though uh, because his last status update was the 25th of January 2013 and it said once again I've been a very naughty boy never seem to learn from my mistakes oh god what's the next one this sounds great no no, that, no that's, that's the, the last, last one. one 
That's no, no, no. Is it okay? But is it what he said previously? Previ- uh, yeah. uh, right. Previously. Uh, so. so he doesn't fair. have he doesn't have strong privacy settings. I'm saying. Well, yeah. His <laughs> previous one was fair play to Mother Duck. She always comes up trumps with a snow in predicted. Where I am over next few days, she turns up with two carrier bags full of chalk sweets and pop. Is Keep English me going, good first, girl. Is English what? not his first language? <laughs> Bill Carr there. Bill Carr. I believe it is. <laughs> we, I hope you're okay, Bill. Please get in uh, touch, I, Bill. The interaction with Alan and the policeman uh, is a line I absolutely love in this, which is, what, I've not said still. Why have you said what, still? Yeah. That's just so well, good. Not, not said it. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, why does he get in the back of the car? Like when they go to drive away, he doesn't another get in the very front. good point. He doesn't get in the front next to his, uh, you know, uh, wife, so-called wife. He gets in the back. I wonder if that's purely for visual purposes, so you can just see. Oh better, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, I've got another fact I can add to this scene also, as well. Also, I wonder. If, sorry, I wonder if it is a bit that he's like in the face of authority. He's become fully subservient. He's like he's like a kid in the car again. Now basically. he's like a little mouse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So a uh, fact I can add to this scene is the car alarm going off was genuine. That was not planned. <laughs> ah, nice. So well done, Lynn. Thanks for that. <laughs> so actually, I think if you if you look, you'll see that uh, Lynn covers her face. That's because she starts corpsing. Basically, she oh, started really? laughing because. Yeah. She set the car along. I thought she was. That was some brilliant acting uh, at that point as yeah. well from Felicity Montague. Like Agreed. the whole of being distraught about having been caught in this yeah. situation. Excellent. But at, but actually, yeah, it's that combination of she's acting nervous, but she's also trying to not visibly laugh yep. about what she's done to her. So then we're on to a, uh, a this episode's lap dancing scene where Alan's now uh, got two cones protruding from his peephole Pringle. Um, yes, and this is the first appearance of the peephole Pringle in the lap dance scenes, I believe. Oh right, okay, um, and uh, yeah, Tony Hares is uh, is present again. Uh, lots of chat about, um, lots of wordplay about the uh, having points on your license, clean and dirty clean licenses, and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is sort of repeated a little bit to uh, that, that style of uh, joke at the end when he's back in Radio Norwich making puns with David Clifton, which we'll get onto shortly. Uh, and then he's uh, back in the travel tavern talking to Lynn about the experience they've just been through and how he he, he, want, he was almost infamous, but he wants to he be wants famous. Famous, no chance, no chance. Uh, yeah, and then uh, he has a pretty good uh, a pretty good slate back on Michael when he asked to have two eggs yeah. cooked in the morning. Calls him a chicken. Wants you to lay them. Um, I think this is an episode where his uh, his attempts at fun and his comebacks are less offensive and less like bloody-minded than in other episodes. I think he's actually genuinely quite funny a little bit. Has Mike, and why did Michael run off? Like, I know, obviously, Alan kind of gives the defence that, oh, he was in the war, I think he saw people being blown up, but... yeah, I, I think it might just be that. Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Has he got previous? Because I think That's he's got... He's got oh, probably. Yeah. Has he got previous? Oh. Not, yeah, obviously, he's got head problems. That's probably not... Is <laughs> that PC? Yeah, stick with it. Yeah. Um, but now I just wondered kind of like, what, he just runs over some fields to go back to, uh, you know, the travel tavern. Mm. Just it all seems a bit weird. It's, a bit it's, also, it's also quite funny the fact that he's left Alan to take all the flack. That yeah. makes it quite amusing as well. Uh, potential continuity uh, issue here. Oh, not again. <laughs> just a minute ago, Alan was uh, paranoid about being accused of being drink driving because he had to turn the engine or no, turn the alarm off. Technically, for in charge of a motor vehicle. Exactly. But then, uh, about two minutes later in the travel tavern, he's offering her a lift briefly before he uh, rescinds the invitation. Oh. So, uh, not so scared of drink driving now. Maybe the long arm of the law's not not there, so he's being a bit 
Wardy. Potentially. Yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. So after that interaction with Michael, you then have Alan in the lift with Susan. It's another brilliantly awkward moment. And you have Susan, again, being quite flirtatious with him. She says, are you getting out here or are you going all the way with me? Um, all the way with Susan. Lovely Susan. <sighs> and, but what I did notice is quite interesting about this bit. If you, if you listen to the audience track, there's a bit of an audible groan as in they sympathise with him a bit or they feel sorry for the fact there maybe could be something between him and Susan but he doesn't know what to do with it so he just walks out and is a bit kind of horrified grown as in like a sigh sort of yeah, yeah. it's a bit like oh so maybe there is maybe there is a woman that likes him and he's not a complete failure in every aspect um, but <laughs> i but i do but i do think susan is just doing it to amuse herself yeah I, I i think i think perhaps the reason they put in a later episode that she's engaged is to make it absolutely clear that this is not genuine interest yes so people don't expect a kind of love story arc yeah. in the sitcom and i think that also this bit in the lift happens at this point because alan is at his lowest ebb he's just been you know almost done by the by the police uh, and so perhaps in a, a lighter moment he might have actually made something of it but now he's it's especially yeah the so case that he's basically Susan's taken the piss it. and she's kicked him while he's down yeah yep. a lot of I was just thinking this that lift like has a lift ever featured so heavily in a TV program a lot of the jokes of this series mm. happen at a lift 15 stories high oh, and okay. if you've never seen that it's brilliant there watch you go. it also, fun lift fact for Ooh, fans of lift fans news. Of, fans oh, I'm, of I'm, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting this. Uh, it's obviously not a real lift. There are t- there are men on either side of those doors pulling and yeah. Pulling I I think in some scenes you can see it kind of wobbles a bit. Yeah, one door goes quicker than yeah. the other, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so we are now winding up back at Radio Norwich. Uh, this is my favourite Radio Norwich moment. I think of the series. I'd agree yeah, with that. because yeah. he absolutely straight up 100% ironclad owns Dave Clifford. Yeah, <laughs> he really does. <laughs> it's, much, it's the only time that well I. I guess until he gets to Alpha Papa when Dave Clifton is is a a, a weed of a man. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the only time yeah. Alan is is fully over him. And actually, that's that's an interesting point. Look at Adam making all these interesting points this week. Um, it's like I've researched. It's like he knows what he's doing. I guess that's the kind of that is the one victory for Alan in this episode. So at the end. He does get one over on Dave Clifton. That's about it, though. Yeah. Oh, also, other other bits in this. Uh, he, off the back of his encounter, he dedicates the police song to the police. Um, <laughs> that was nice. Very respectful. Um, and do, yeah. do, do, do. I was curious how Dave Clifton found out about the cone. Yeah, story. I got a note on that as well. How would he have it, found it out? Have, it wouldn't have made a newspaper, would it? it? Might Not do, even It's kind of like failed ex-BBC but star. But who would have Alan... reported it? Well, that's how the news works. They kind of find out these things and then they report but it. Presumably, his show is 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 a few hours after that happened. Yeah, you've got me there. <laughs> <laughs> the internet wasn't. Or well, maybe maybe was. Alan just told him what happened. Perhaps I guess. Maybe. Um, but then uh, yeah, then obviously. Uh, it, but you know, also you're in like you're between Linton and Norwich. It's like is there that much else going on? So a radio, perhaps not a radio maybe, DJ being arrested. Maybe it was in the radio Norwich news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Dave is uh, winding him up and winding him up until Alan basically snaps and then does that great thing that everyone loves whenever it happens in a comedy program. It just goes, oh fuck off. <laughs> now I have in my notes about this. Is that the first proper F word? in this show uh, yes I, I think, think it, it is. is but it didn't stop the episode being rated 12 every episode of this oh, really? series is a 12 rating apart from one which is a PG I'm quite surprised by that to be mm. honest second series they they ramp that rudeness right up it's a second series is a 15 more or less all the way through but this is a 12 still 
Good information. Again, yeah, more, you go. more research from Adam there. This is the point where Dave Clifton first says dead air is a crime, which is something we've been referencing pretty much every episode. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there's so much dead air in this yeah. podcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, though. Producer Jed will uh, make it all go away. But then, uh, yeah, then Dave tries to chastise Alan for allowing swearing on his show. It's when Dave goes into his worst commercial radio voice. Alan points out uh, all of the uh, him replacing the D's for T's. Uh, is that that? No. Oh, no. Is that another episode? Yeah. Okay. But Dave is, is heavily doing it at this point again. Yeah. Uh, but it's one minute past seven. It's on Dave's show. Dave's responsible for the content. And then he, Alan signs off with the brilliant check the small print on your contract. Boom. Um, also, he Mic just, drop. And also, Fanny. Oh, yeah. And, fa- <laughs> and Fanny, yeah. It's a quick Fanny in before the end. Uh, so, does that bring us to the end of the episode? Has I think it brings it up uh, nicely. It does. You just have then the credits rolling over the CCTV footage of Alan and Michael brilliant. on the motorway, yeah. which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. The music track from Go West, which is genuinely a brilliant album. <laughs> have you ever uh, worked at Pear Tree Productions wearing a Deacon Blue t-shirt by any chance I do I do have a soft spot genuinely for some of that music Go West very good Deacon Blue very good Level 42 basically it's the music that my dad so I, I, are you loving our Partridge Spotify playlist Nick we have a playlist we sure do <laughs> tell me more <laughs> uh, just it's on our Facebook oh okay find it yeah be fine it's really uh, good cool alright we'll be back shortly with some correspondence and cards against Alanity Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So thanks to all of you who've been in touch, either on Twitter at the Partridge Pod, email thepartridgepod at gmail.com or via Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod. We've got a little bit of correspondence to go through, so I'm gonna pass over to my man Tom Stab. Thanks, Adam. Um hi everyone. So a few Whoa, people. Oh guys, have been that in touch. sounded too slick and professional. <laughs> Don't do that again. Uh yeah, well, what was I thinking? So a couple of people have been in touch, RE theories about what's in Alan's draw. Now we discussed this uh previously on the show about what we thought might be in there, might be some yep. dildos. Uh, dildos, Pornography, specifically uh, ladyboy pornography. A uh, few people have been in touch, uh, including uh, a chap called Dan Bradish who got in touch with us on Facebook. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Uh, he uh, suggest- he seems to think that inside the drawer, and I think he references a, a radio show that's talked about this, that inside the drawer is fictional Dutch porn... Uh, 
Dutch porn magazine Dikkie Veruwen op de Toiletten. I'm Perfect sure, pronunciation. Yeah, I'm sure that's <laughs> which, the correct pronunciation. Which translates as fat women on toilets. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it, it's a niche publication. It's yeah, a specialist interest. Yeah. Uh, Import and al- only. And also Ari the Draw, uh, Barbara Kirk has been in touch on Twitter and uh, she has a theory that uh, Alan's gay and in denial and in the draw is uh, gay pornography. What do we think about that as a theory? I don't think that's right. I, I sorry, like them both. I, I've I enjoyed lo- listening, yeah. but it's still dildos or, 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 or <laughs> ladyboy porn. Adam is championing dildos. <laughs> <laughs> I think lady... Other sex toys are available. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just think it's mags because the way he said, mm, I don't know. But then there was always a very shocked reaction. You know what? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what's in the drawer, no one really knows. Um, and that's why and, it's a great and that's game. why it's, yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, theories, ideas, opinions, always welcome. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Uh, we, we read them all. Uh, and then the second person who's been in touch, we got an email from Louise Ramsden. Uh, thank you for getting in touch. She actually told us about... Uh, uh, that Alan Partridge uh, was the biggest inspiration for her wedding. They signed the, their vows to Why Do Birds Suddenly Appear, playing in the background. Presumably uh, sung in the correct key. <laughs> you'd hope so. They exited the ceremony with it, started with a kiss. Again, playing. presumably <laughs> sung in the correct <laughs> key. And she walked down the aisle to the spy who loved me, <laughs> which I, is amazing. I like that she's also put in the email after she says she walked in the aisle to the spy who loved me, brackets, glang a lang a lang a Excellent. Well done, Louise. Thanks that, for getting in touch. That's the sort of Partridge fan mm. we want to hear. Yeah, this, exactly. is a, this is a marriage that will last. And she said tell. that the stag do was obviously full of lager, baileys and gin and tonics. Excellent. Yep. Dream. Excellent. Thanks for getting in touch, everyone. We appreciate it. Uh, one other thing that uh, several people have uh, written into to correct us on is uh, Ooh, the, I wonder what this could be the Long Stanton Spice Museum gate uh, <laughs> which uh, where, where Nick say hello uh, hello um, I should I should fess up uh, so I, I just went on the website and it's mm-hmm. fair to say I didn't examine the uh, detail of it because I just assumed it was real would it be fair to say you didn't really read any of the words <laughs> on the website yeah did, did you read the quote on the front from Alan 1997 no did, did you go to the location page and realise there was no address there no <laughs> <laughs> so j- just to make this very clear Long Stanton Spice Museum does not exist we gave Nick one job and he failed I can only uh, apologise to the literally millions of people probably milling around Long Stanton right now <laughs> Trying to find the elusive Spice Museum. Um, so remember, that's at Nick Alder. If you're, uh, if you've turned up to Long Stanton to find there is no Spice Spice Museum. Yeah. Sorry. Also, it seems a good time to point out to everybody that we are not experts. That was. I think that's, that's evident. I think <laughs> that's, that's very plainly clear. obvious. Okay. Let's move on to Cards Against Alanity then. Uh, so, as everybody will know, uh, imagine uh, who starts on episode four, right? So everyone's a regular listener at this point. Uh, it's a Cards Against Humanity themed quiz with uh, phrases and words from uh, this series of Iron Man and Partridge. I'm going to read out a inc- an incomplete sentence from this episode. Everybody has to uh, finish it with the cards so they have in front of them as best they can. We show them to producer Jed. I read them out. He pings his bell for the winner. Uh, Nick inevitably wins, and then we all go home. (laughs) So uh, the incomplete sentence for this episode is, idea for a programme entitled dot, dot, dot. So if you could all pass your uh, chosen cards through to Jed to have a look. Ooh, I've got two options. Both are pretty good. There we go. One of them's going to win, so... Okay. I'm going to have to hurry. Can I have a sentence again? Uh, Yeah, it's idea for a programme entitled dot, dot, dot. Okay, going to move that on. Nick, dead well. air is a crime. So Jed has had a chance to peruse all the answers. I will he knows which one I've submitted now. I will though. be needing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's been so biased against you so far. <laughs> okay, so uh, Jed's ready with the bell. Okay, idea for a program entitled Sue Cook. Idea for a program entitled My Five Bedroom Bastard House. Idea mm. for a program entitled A Hot Egg. 
There we go. Hey, it's yay. the hot egg. Tom Stab's taken it. Oh, but the final one, uh, idea for a title, mattress and a few traffic cones. <laughs> so that's Nick 3, Tom Stab 1. Yep. Wow. Zero, zero for us. Uh, more cards against Atlanta in episode five. <laughs> So that's it for episode four of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge podcast. Uh, join us next week when we're going to be discussing episode five, To Kill a Mocking Alan. Alan hosts an afternoon with Alan Partridge at the Travel Tavern, and it's also the appearance of everyone's favourite mentalist, Jed Maxwell. Yes. We will see you then. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. This is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepherd. To find out more about the records they release and the podcasts they make, head to postpoprecords.com. Tennis. Monkey tennis. Look, looks like a lady, but uh, really it's a man. Monkey tennis. Not my face. I'm doing the photo shoot for Vision Express. Monkey tennis. Monkey tennis. I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Roll on the thighs of a virgin. Monkey tennis. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.